Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Thursday, February 10th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers failed to win three straight games, haven't only done it one time this season. It's been a while. It was that Vegas-Arizona Devils game, which ended the original 10-game winless skid. That was the beginning also of the seven-game point streak, but unfortunately that gave way to the 13-game winless skid. But I digress. They go down against the Detroit Red Wings by a final score of 6-3. to three. Empty net goal for Detroit as well. Detroit opens the scoring early in the game on the power play. Dylan Larkin uh, picks up the goal on the power play, his 24th. Then Isaac Ratcliffe picks up his first NHL goal at 3:03. Quick answer from the Flyers. Originally credited to Zach McEwen, but Ratcliffe in front, providing a lot of traffic around Alex Nedeljkovic and end with a uh, Detroit Red Wing defender. It ends up hitting off him and going in. Flyers tie the game at one. Then Lucas Raymond at 6.02, just about three minutes later, picks up uh, the goal to put the Red Wings back up 2-1. to one. Then Sanheim uh, gets the game tied just 24 seconds later. Flyers answered both of those goals in the first period in under 40 seconds, both of them. And we'd end the first tied at two. But then in the second period, uh, the first two goals of the period go to the uh, Detroit Red Wings when Pius Sider, when Pius Suter picks up the goal, and then Robbie Fabry picks up one, kind of catches Carter Hart leaning a little bit to his left on this one, kind of catches Carter Hart leaning to his left a little bit as uh, there was a player for the Detroit Red Wings streaking down the right side. You could see Hart was a little loaded on that right leg for the push across to his left. And when that leg gets loaded and you're getting ready for that push, the arms tend to get a little loose and away from the body, and he gets beat by Fabry right between the blocker arm and his body. That put Detroit up 4-2. to Scott Lawton, though, answered just 21 seconds later. And the Flyers get with him, Wood, to head to the third period. But Giovanni Smith, 8.46 into the third, picked up uh, the goal to put Detroit up 5-3. to And then the empty netter from Vlad Nemestikov rounded out the scoring 6-3 the final in this game. The Detroit Red Wings outshoot the Flyers 34-24. Flyers did have five power plays in the game. And as we previewed the game on yesterday's episode, you'll recall that I told you that Detroit had the 22nd ranked penalty kill in the National Hockey League, and the Flyers just didn't nearly generate enough on the power play. Five total chances and not enough opportunities. Obviously didn't score on the power play, and that's a big element of this loss for the Philadelphia Flyers. But one of those power plays in particular, uh, an element of it, really bothered me. I talked about this on the post-game show. I did not know at the time that Bill Meltzer asked uh, interim <clears throat> asked interim head coach Mike Yo about it, but the Flyers were up in a 5-on-4 man advantage, and there was a change of a player. A player came off from power play number one, and then for a period of time, about 30 seconds, they're playing 4-on-4, four four, and the Flyers' player did not jump on the ice to regain the five-on-four advantage when the line change happened or the one-player change, the substitution, if you will, happened. It was Jerry Mayhew. And I know Bill Melter asked Mike Yo about it after the game, and I'll play this for you at the end of the episode, Mike Yo's availability post-game. We're also going to get to Danny Briere in just a couple minutes. I had a chance to sit down with him. But here was Mike Yo's response when asked about, you know, the fact that a player went off on the power play and one didn't jump back on immediately. 
Mike Yo said, quote, that was just somebody not being ready for replacing their guy. As a coach, you're sitting there watching, and you've got a two-on-one in that situation, so I'm watching that play. But the communication was there on the bench that we had four guys, but still took another five seconds for the player to be ready. We have to be sharper. To me, it was a prime example of where our heads were at. Assignments that we've drilled over and over again, shown on video over and over again, and we're missing right from the start of the game. He said that I think that our next game will tell us if this was just a little bit of a sloppiness coming out of the break or how much more work we have to do. And again, that's just one of those self-inflicted things. Look, I know the Flyers' power play, insert joke here, is not very good. And it's been a really huge issue for the team this season. But that being said, when you have a guy come off on a change for a power play, and the next guy's got to be ready to go, you got to know who you got on the bench. That's part of the equation in a sport that changes on the fly. When this guy comes, I go. When that guy comes, you go. And somebody came, but nobody went. And in this case, Jerry Mayhew. And I'm not picking on Mayhew, but that can't happen. And then even when it was called out, hey, guys, we only got four, four, four. We need somebody else out there. It still took five seconds for the player to realize that he needed to get on the ice. That's a self-inflicted wound. That can't happen. That can't happen. And I credit Mike Yo, and I've talked about it before numerous occasions on this podcast. The reason why I play Mike Yo's availability is because of that answer that I just read to you. The fact that he said, to me, it's a prime example of where our heads were at, assignments that we've drilled over and over again, shown on video over and over and again, that we were missing right from the start of the game. You know, Mike Yo has been so transparent and so honest, and it is appreciated by this person right here talking to you, and I'm sure more listening around uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Just can't happen. Just can't happen. Uh, so we'll get to Mike Yo coming up in just a couple of minutes. Flyers will be in Detroit to take on the Red Wings coming up on Saturday. They'll try and avenge this loss with a noon puck drop in Detroit. We'll have the pregame show for you at 11.30 a.m. That just seems weird. But anyway, uh, the big news, we talked about it in yesterday's episode, was that Danny Briere was named the special assistant to the general manager. And I had a chance to catch up with Danny before the game last night, sit down, have a little conversation uh, about the new title, about uh, the inner workings, and much more. And here's my conversation with the special assistant to the general manager, Danny Briere. All right, we're here on Flyers Daily with the new special assistant to the general manager, all-around good guy. It's Danny Briere. Danny, how you doing? Thanks, Jason. Doing great. Um, this is great news. Pretty, really excited about the opportunity to, to work uh, closely with uh, Chuck and Brent Flair and uh, Barry Anrahan. In all honesty, though, you've been working pretty close with them prior to this. What, what changes now with this title? It's just a title. Um, I don't know yet what's what it's going to change. Well, one, one thing that's going to change is uh, my duties with the Maine Mariners uh, will lessen, obviously, and and I'll have a bigger focus, uh, more time spent on the Flyers moving forward. So that that's the biggest difference. Probably more traveling um, to to find out, you know, because I I know very well this organization. I know our players up and down. Um, now this will give me the chance to uh, spend more time. Uh, figuring out other teams and uh, you know what's available players that that might be attractive players that might be available uh, players that are coming up that we might be looking at so that's the um, the chance that I have with uh, with this new title and um, I guess my, my new duties 
Now, this wasn't by accident. And when you got done playing, you took your time. You really looked at the business side first and then moved over to the hockey side. And this has been a well-plotted-out journey for you to get to this point. I mean, you even went back to school. I, I know a lot of people don't know that, but you, you enrolled a pen at the Wharton School of Finance. Yeah. What Did all of those steps kind of help you prepare for this? I'd be lying if I told you I had an exact plan in mind. Um, <laughs> I was winging it as, as I went. But one thing I knew is I, I, I didn't want to come in in this, um, you know, semi-retired state and, and expect to be hired because of, you know, I was an ex-player or I had done this or I had not, I hadn't done that. Um, I wanted to earn it, and that was that was my biggest thing. And when Paul Holmgren um, gave me the chance to spend time with um, the business side of the organization, spend time with all different departments, it opened up my eyes. First of all, I realized that wow, there's so much more to it than just a few concessions and yeah. ushers, you know, directing people uh, at the Wells Fargo. Uh, so that was that was really an eye-opener. And um, then the opportunity with the, the Mariners came, um, and I had the chance. It was a great opportunity to keep progressing on the business side and also uh, build my own team with the help of, you know, different people, but uh, be at the helm and build a hockey team uh, as well. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I did you know, some schooling, went back to uh, to school. My, I thought, you know, my teenagers or my kids thought it was pretty funny that dad was in college at the same time as, as them. Uh, but it worked out. And, and you know, the, the whole time it was, it was geared towards uh, earning it. Um, I wanted to show people that I was serious, uh, um, you know, but we're... Um, what I was doing, that I wasn't just a, a laughing stock that skated off the ice and thought he could, you know, do everything. I, I wanted to learn. That was the plan. Now, you know, a lot of ex-players would not do that. Uh, but is th- I imagine this is kind of the way you approach things as a player growing up and trying to make it to the NHL, that you had to earn it to get there. And you kind of went into this with the same kind of mindset? A little bit. Um, as a player, I was never the biggest one, so I had to find tricks and uh, ways to get around the big guys that were trying to uh, plaster me. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I found I found different ways. I was, um, you know, very early in my career when it was very taboo to work with a sports psychologist. I started working with, with someone that really helped me, and, and I would go on the ice and knew that I had tools that I could use that, you know, most players didn't have. Um, so it was always about finding ways to, you know, better myself. Uh, be a better player Um, you know part of the reason why I think in in the playoffs when uh, I played the same teams over and over again and the same you know I would take face-offs against the same players I would play five on five against the same guys or on a power play I I would study my opponents um, try to pick up on on where I could take advantage Mm -hmm. of them Um, you know and I, I think kind of that mentality uh followed me since then and after I retired that's uh kind of the same approach try to do things that other people are not willing to do and, and, and try to learn and see where it takes you that's a very tactical way of thinking let me ask you when you were at Penn and in class I remember I tried to we were setting up a time to get you on the podcast and you said I can't do it that time because I have class and and it got me thinking I'm going is does somebody turn around in class and go holy shit that's Danny Briere did you have any of those moments <laughs> There's there's a few here and there. There's a few students from the Philly area. Um, well, you don't look much older than a college student. No, but it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun. There's some some funny stories. Um, a lot of offers to to go have a drink or two after after class here and there. So it was uh, it was a blast. Honestly, I, I 
I loved every single minute of it. And, you know, I, I think it's a little different going back to school, um, you know, in your 40s when you're excited and you want to learn and you're listening yeah. to every single word, word uh, rather than when I was 18, 19 and didn't want to be in class. Yeah. Um, so, so in a sense, that made it easier. You know, that it's so interesting. Just because you were in college as a student didn't mean you were a college student. <laughs> so you couldn't that's, act like a, a college. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, we could just go back. Um, did they try and recruit you for the hockey team? I, I did get a, a few emails. Um, <laughs> they figured that it would probably be illegal to have uh, an ex-professional player, so it didn't go very far. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the things that you're going to be dealing with with this team. Obviously, Danny, things on the ice have not gone uh, well for the team this year. And you're going to be in a unique situation of evaluation, really kind of looking at every element of this team. And you know, along with Chuck Fletcher, Brent Flair, and Barry Hanrahan, and, and the whole hockey ops staff, really having a, a, an accountability of everything that's here. One of the big ones that you have to deal with is a guy that lived in your house, and Claude Giroux. He's got a no-move clause. And ultimately, he'll determine that. But what's kind of your thought process on, on how that plays out? So what I'm trying to do with uh, with Claude is I'm trying to put myself in his skates. What would I want at this point? And it's it's way too early. You're still a, a month and a half from the trade deadline. I wouldn't want to hear about, you know, yes, it's going to creep in your mind because everybody's talking about it. But you don't want to be uh, sitting here having to make a decision six weeks before the, the trade deadline. So, um, you know, in that respect, I, I try to you know keep my distance from him. Um, you know, as we get closer, um, you know, maybe try to find out if, if he's interested uh, in talking about it. If not, he might want to, you know, make the own, his own decision. But at this point, it's too early to to bother him with that. He wants to win. I, know, I remember the mindset of a player, you know, you look at the standing, you still think you can get on a run here mm -hmm. and climb back in to, you know, make it a push. So that's going to be his mindset for the next two, three weeks for sure. And um, as we get closer, we'll... we'll We'll see where we're at at that point. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like for players, it's it's not about six weeks from now. It's about tonight. It's about the next game and the next shift. You live in the moment. You live day to day. You're you're focused on what's in front of you right now. And and sometimes it's it's tough for um, for the fans to understand. It's tough sometimes for management to understand because you're looking at the big picture. But you know, I remember as a player, you're you're in the moment. You you don't care uh, what's going to happen. That's just noise, right? Yeah, you're focused. I got to find a way to be ready to play tonight and and win the game tonight, and then we'll deal with it after. Yeah, because if you don't, then you're going to lose the game tonight because the game requires that kind of respect given to it. I know one of the things that you mentioned in your media availability and something that Chuck mentioned was that the team needs more high-end talent. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at across the league right now and you see the, some of the high-end talent that's around, and it's different high-end talent than it was maybe a decade ago or even when you finished just five years ago. The league is evolving. What does high-end talent look like to you? Well, you look at the top teams in the league. They all have high-end talent. That's, that's I mean, they're difference makers. Um, you know, you look at Colorado, probably the best example. Um, Toronto, Florida, Tampa Bay was one back-to-back cups. Um, you know, they have different makers, uh, difference makers on, on their top line. And, you know, for us, I mean, hurting, uh, losing Coots for most of the year really hurts. And and Claude Giroux has been our best player. Uh, he's there also, but he's also 34. We have to be realistic. And he's, he's not going to be doing that for another 10 years. So we got to look to to replace him eventually. And um, I, I think, and I agree with Chuck, that's, that's for us the next goal, finding those guys that can be 
different makers for the Flyers in years to come. The interesting thing about that, too, is you don't need to find them at the top of the draft. We see teams that draft at the top of the draft and have done so repeatedly not make the playoffs, whether that's in Edmonton, New Jersey now, and other teams. It's no magic elixir. you got to be able to find talent and then develop it. What's kind of your philosophy on developing of talent? Yeah, well, we, we have a bigger and bigger crew now. Um, I think Chuck has changed that in the last year, year and a half. Uh, so I think that's going in, in the right direction. We have a lot of good people there uh, in, in player development. But, um, you know, I, I think we got to keep pushing that to it, – it's critical. Uh, basically is, is what I think uh, yeah. so so that that's very important um, and you mentioned the, the draft you know your, your scouts are going to be very important finding guys sometimes in late first round or second rounds that can be different ma- different makers goes a long way uh, Kucherov for example yeah. you know, even Braden Point right Braden Point as a, in a third rounder yeah. I mean that, that's simply amazing that you're able to find those guys so um, that's that's the goal for, for our staff um, as well and you know when you have a bad season like we're having this year sometimes it creates other opportunities I, I don't know where we're going to be in two months from now but at the moment we would be picking I don't know six seven or eight range mm-hmm. um, you know you had you have to hit you got to find a player that might be you know the next Claude Giroux for your team for the next 15 years you know the interesting thing is I've talked about this is when a season goes sideways like this and from a fan perspective it's okay to change your expectations from what they were at the beginning of the year because things have changed um but there has to be a way for the organization to find a positive to take positives out of this season whether that's development of young players like Cam York or you know, a guy like Morgan Frost or Isaac Ratcliffe, maybe some other guys that get a crack at the NHL level, or just finding chemistry between two players that are going to be here or guys evening out their game. How important is it? Because you were part of that team that came back the year after the 06 the 07. Worst yeah. season in and, Flyers history. And exactly. it was quick bounce back. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe that's not in the cards because the cap's different and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at it, how important is it to come away from this season with positives, even though the standings are sideways? Well, positive, or I would call them opportunities. You yeah. know, it, it, there's different opportunities that come from it, and and you got to make sure you don't miss the boat um, and, and not, you know, instead of be complaining about what you thought you were, now you got to shift gear, like you said, and um, find a way out of it and, and take advantage of other things. You know, we we never expected that. Um, being seller at the trade deadline would even be a possibility going into the season we didn't you know never thought that um you know now with the situation we're, we're in who knows i mean it's it's a reality so um it's a possibility I and one of the options right correct so now you gotta shift gear and and you know look at the different options that you never thought you'd be in uh, well, it, you you don't want to say it's an advantageous position because it's not where you want to be, but you have to take advantage of the situation. Last thing for you. Um, when you look at players, you mentioned Sean Couturier. Ryan Ellis has only played four games. And you look, Kevin Hayes has, you know, dealt with multiple core surgeries in the offseason and now had a cleanup. How important is it for players to get back to be able to head into their offseason if, if they're able to and they can avoid yeah. a surgery, but to head into their offseason having played some hockey and be able to treat that offseason differently yeah it's well it's a fine line too you you don't want to push something that um where the player would not be ready to play next season so there, yeah. there's you know there's that fine line that we we have to figure out at, at this point if we have a chance to make a push for the playoffs then yeah you want them in the lineup but if not then you got to think it's a risk know, reward exactly. right exactly yeah. when uh, when i think of think of this lineup in the beginning of the year we were looking at couturier 
Hayes, Brassard, and Patrick Brown. Yeah. You know, and, and on many nights, we didn't have any of those four guys in the lineup. So then you're you're forced to shift a Claude Giroux to the middle and a Scott Lawton in the middle, but that weakens the sides as well. And, you know, so um, it's not – it's just reality. That's what happened, um, you know, and – you, you got to find the positive uh, coming out of it or make, make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, and I know you and I spoke uh, at the draft night about Rasmus Ristolainen and that presence of physicality and what it does to players on the ice. And you, I remember you saying very clearly that it makes us all bigger, it makes us all stronger, it makes everybody meaner. So uh, we'll hope, everybody's hoping that he'll remain here as well. Danny, congrats on the uh, special assistant to the GM. You're a rising star. Appreciate <laughs> the time as always. One. Thank you, Jason. The new special assistant to the general manager, Danny Briere, and we always appreciate him taking the time for us and great conversation. And I just think he's such a well thought out, well thought of, good citizen, good hockey man, good businessman now because he went through the proper steps to earn his way to the position that he's in. Not just given because he was a former player or a former good player or whatever it might be. He's earned it by taking those individual steps to get there and working his way up the ladder, not just saying, hey, I played, I belong on the top floor without having to climb the ladder. So thanks to Danny Briere for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. A lot of work to be done. Here's Flyers head coach Mike Yo. He addressed the media after the game. Third period, you only had one shot on yeah. the goal. Where was the response in the third period? Yeah, well, we didn't have any response all game, really, to be honest with you. We were lucky to be down by one goal at that point. Um, so uh, I think uh, Hartsey obviously kept us in it there for, for a large portion of the game. But... But still, I mean, I think that was kind of the message in between periods. We recognize that we weren't good, but there's still an opportunity here. And uh, and clearly we didn't grab it. So, um, you know, going to have to regroup here. This is obviously uh, a disappointing game. Uh, you can go into the break feeling good about uh, kind of where we were going. And then uh, uh, clearly that game did not match, you know, our expectations. So now we have to respond to that. Yeah, before the All-Star break, you were saying that you felt like it's in the habit, so you're developing the right one. So I guess where was the disconnect once you got back? That's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously we're gonna we're gonna have to show some video here in the next couple of days. Just as far as there really wasn't one one aspect of our game that was, uh, you know, it's not like one part of our game broke us down tonight. Uh, you know, you can start with uh, one-on-one battles, loose puck races. You can move into execution. You can move into the structure, the detail of our game. I mean, we can uh, pinpoint a lot of things. And it didn't seem like we really had anybody that could, uh, you know, keep swinging the momentum. You know, maybe we would have one good shift, and then we'd follow it up with a bad shift. And so, um, you know, again, we'll we'll get to work here in these next couple of days. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've started to try to establish what our standards are in certain areas. And uh, tonight we didn't meet those standards. The same things from the power play tonight, or is it? Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought power play matched matched our five on five game. Uh, really didn't generate any momentum for us at all tonight. Power play situation, third period where uh, somebody didn't didn't go out on the ice and yeah. kind of lengthy lengthy period of four guys on the ice. Was yeah. there some kind of miscommunication? That was just somebody not being ready for their guy, you know, and. Uh, and obviously, like as a coach, you 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 know you're sitting there, you're watching. We got a two on one in that situation, so I'm watching that play. But uh, the communication was was there on the bench that we had four guys, and it still took another five seconds for for the player to be ready. So yeah, we got to be sharper. To me, it's a prime example of of where our heads were at. You know, assignments that we're 
you know, that we've drilled over and over again, shown on video over and over again, that we were missing right from the start of the game. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, our next game will tell us if this was just a little bit of sloppiness coming out of the break um, or how much more work we have to do. Last question. Mike, were you surprised there was a lack of focus tonight after a week off? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you look at the last time we, we started to roll going into the Christmas break and then uh, – uh, for whatever reason, you look at how long it took us to get going after that. So, um, again, I think that our, our next our next game will give us some better answers on that. Um, I thought that we had a really good practice yesterday. Uh, I was I was very surprised. Um, you know, you expect a little bit of sloppiness. Um, you don't expect uh, perfection coming out of a break. You know, primarily in the execution. But I thought that uh, they were certainly more willing to. Um, to engage in the one-on-one -on -one battles, block shots, do all the little things that we were doing before the break uh, that we didn't do tonight. Hey, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Mike Yo addressing the media after the game. Flyers go down 6-3. to three. Final score against the Detroit Red Wings. They'll be back at it Saturday in Detroit to take on the Red Wings once again. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Flyers Daily. Everybody have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily. Yeah.